This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing early mediation in employment disputes and guiding us in the that particular subject will be a good friend of mine. I almost said an old friend of mine, but that's not, that's not always a good thing to say. Um, but uh, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, Jan Shaw. Jan uh, deals with employment cases and has become a master uh, at doing so. Uh, she settles litigated cases arising out of employment and tort disputes with has been described humanity, skill and intelligence. Jan has over 20 years of experience as a litigator. Uh, 10 years in insurance defense and 10 years representing plaintiffs, which gives her the unique ability to understand and evaluate both sides of a conflict and get to the heart of the conflict in in order to arrive at satisfactory resolution in every dispute uh, efficiently, effectively, and fairly, and usually in a single day, although it's been known to linger on on occasion. Uh, Jan has uh, incredible insight and is known for uh, her kindness, earning praise from lawyers and their clients in the most intransigent of disputes. Uh, Her settlement rates are consistently high, saving clients thousands of hours and dollars in, in litigation. Jan's background is impressive. Jan has been recognized as one of the leading mediators in Southern California, uh, named by the Daily Journal as a top 50 neutral. Uh, She's been inducted uh, as a distinguished fellow of the prestigious International International Academy of Mediators and named one of California's super lawyers for the past nine years. Uh, Jan is also uh, in the top 16 women in alternative dispute resolution uh, per uh, super lawyers um, and has been elected president uh, in 2007 of the Southern California Mediation Association. Jan, welcome to this show. Thank you so much, Len. That was an impressive uh, introduction. And uh, as Len points out, we are old friends, not just uh, longtime friends. And so um, if I could, I'd just make a couple of um, 
of corrections. Mm. Um, uh, my, my bio says that I deal in litigated cases, but what I want to talk about today is the pre-litigated ones. So I still prefer to deal with cases where both parties are represented by lawyers. Having been a lawyer for decades myself, um, it feels a little bit less comfortable and a little bit less neutral if one party is represented by counsel and the other is not. Um, and the other um, correction I'll make is that yes, I spent a couple of decades practicing law and litigating, um, but this year I hit the tipping point where I have actually mediated for as long as I litigated. So I've been at this for a long time. Right, and, uh, and have become absolutely expert in process, in mediation process, certainly. Um, and not only expert in mediation process, but, but also in, in the substantive area uh, of employment law. Um, Jan, you recently wrote an article that appeared in the Daily Journal, uh, along with uh, Alice Graham. Um, you co-authored that article, uh, and it appeared in the March 23rd, uh, 2022 um, Daily Journal. That article dealt with uh, leveling the playing field through mediation, but focused very heavily on early mediation in employment disputes. Could you please give us a, an idea as to why early mediation has become especially important now? So sure I will, and um, and thanks for acknowledging that article. Because I've been at this for as long as I've been at this, um, the environment continues to change, right? And so employment, particularly post-pandemic, has really changed. The workplace has changed. We've all experienced that. You don't have to be a mediator or a master mediator to know that there have been huge changes in the work environment. So um, one of the things is that there are fewer terminations. Um, that is to say, um, employees are at a premium. At the beginning of the pandemic, I actually heard um, a handful of cases where the parties were, um, were terminated because they feared COVID and they were required to come back or because they tested positive or somebody in their household had um, heightened uh, immunities and that sort of thing. But things are changing. Another factor is that um, there's less physical interaction. It's harder, frankly, to um, harass someone um, via Zoom than it is um, if you're you know, shoulder to shoulder. And another is that um, because the employment situation, at least in Southern California, has really rebounded as well as it has, that there aren't as high damages. So when we've all been in that situation, well, maybe not all of your listeners, but most lawyers where your, your first job is answering the phone and deciding which cases to take. Um, and you know, you're their first barrier before they get to the senior partner or even the senior associate. So in these cases, um, we very often find that someone has been potentially wrongfully terminated, for example, but they found another job and it was a better paying job and it was quickly. So they don't have the kinds of damages that lawyers look for that would make a case. And yet they come to lawyers because they need their help. 
Um, and that's where I think that an early mediation, pre-litigation, really can be very useful. The final piece of this that I'll, I'll just um, shed some light, and then I know that we want to take a little break, but mm -hmm. the final piece of this is that the statute of limitations has been extended. The courts are backlogged. So this week I had a case where the plaintiff had been terminated six years ago. Um, and it was against a governmental entity. So we settled the case, but the government said, but it might take a year to get the claim approved. And I said, a year? We haven't been talking about that five-year statute for years. I haven't really even heard it discussed. But sure enough, your case can be five years old, and then it gets dumped. So um, there are sort of a confluence of a lot of factors that say, go to mediation early. If you can get your client satisfied, you can move on to the next case. You're not going to necessarily get very wealthy by doing it that way, but you can learn a lot, and there's a lot of good reasons to do it. You've given us a lot that we have to unpack now, Jan. <laughs> and, You're welcome. <laughs> um, right. And um, one, of, one of the things that, uh, that still persists and, and what I'm hearing, uh, and, and we're, we'll, we'll cover this on the other side of a break, but um, you're still getting people who are going to have hurt feelings about being discharged. Uh, you're, going to, you're still going to have uh, situations where people feel uh, that they've been treated unfairly. Discrimin uh, discrimination has, has cropped its, uh, you know, it's into that uh, kind of um, situation. And so we're still having to deal with those kinds of situations. So when we return, we are going to be getting into the how to approach this. And uh, we are chatting with Jan Shaw on Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and we will be back in a moment. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to lawyerspecific.com and click request a quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Lynn Levy, and my guest is Jan Shaw. Uh, Jan has been describing how the workplace has changed and uh, has an example of uh, th that would illustrate what her, uh, what her experience has been. Now, let me just say this about examples. Um, as mediators, we are bound to confidentiality in the proceedings. And uh, we are very, very uh, cognizant and, and uh, very uh, much attuned to not 
breaking that confidence, uh, confidentiality uh, commitment that we have. So when when Jan or any other guest actually on on our podcast uh, gives an example, um, you know, from the old dragnet, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, but perhaps the not so innocent. Um, but the uh, the examples are true. The uh, the names and uh, circumstances might be changed. Now, with that, Jan, can you give us an example? Yes, thanks for the opportunity. I've been trying to kind of um, digest this myself for a few weeks. Um, it was my first face-to-face hearing in two years. Um, and the reason that the plaintiff wanted it to be face-to-face was because it was a race discrimination case. She was a very articulate, very well-educated, had a PhD, worked for the government in a community that was, mm, shall we say, um, had the reputation of being kind of racist and very white. Um, And uh, the comments that she endured were, I think all of us would agree, egregious, just kind of hideous comments. Um, But the government that she worked for, the agency that she worked for, really tried to protect her because these weren't comments coming from within the government. They were comments coming from the public. And unfortunately, we aren't yet evolved sufficiently that um, we don't allow free speech, even if it's ugly and and hideous and hurtful and egregious and racist, um, and we can't control it. So we had the situation where she had a very good case, but not against her employer. Um, the problem was that she complained about it to her employer. Her employer tried to intervene to put her into a different position that was not as public facing. And she was dissatisfied with all of that and found another job, a good job, a paying job that that paid her. She was making good money. So here was a woman that had a very um, decent case, but really needed that hearing. Um, And coming into it, she had her eyes set on it would be nothing less than a million dollars in my pocket net to me. And her lawyer who was a sole practitioner and had done both sides of this law, saw the issues in the lawsuit and went, oh, we're never gonna get a million dollars. And I'm not sure I'm gonna be have the courage to even file this one because of the damages and because of the issues with the liability. It was a perfect case to express to a mediator, to give me an opportunity to have the two sides come together, um, to listen to, what was surprising to me, but the governmental representative who was um, appeared to be a very um, Caucasian elite woman, but was really crestfallen because she had recruited the plaintiff um, and and became close with her family. And, you know, and they socialized together and then they moved out of the community. She never heard from them and they sued the community, which this one was the executive director of. So those are perfect opportunities to mediate early, um, to see what everybody puts as a value on the case, to have the value of the personal interaction and really to flesh out what else is there that the parties may not have exchanged. Well, and you you've brought up uh, again uh, a an element that uh, we don't 
we haven't dealt with for two years, basically. And, and, and that is uh, assessing the value of an in-person mediation. Um, there is, uh, there, there is some value in some situations, uh, that absolutely call for it. I, I will tell you, I had one yesterday, uh, that, that was, was similar. It wasn't an early one. They, they were already, uh, in arbitration, but, uh, it was a case where the parties had a personal relationship and, um, uh, not only did it need to be in 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 person, uh, but I did something that um, that is generally uh, a very very rare, which is um, having a mediation, a session, part of that mediation, without the attorneys in the room and only the two parties. Uh, so there are there are things that that we can do as mediators to be creative uh, and to and to really address something that is at the core of mediation. Um, and I'd like you to comment on this. The idea of addressing interests, not just talking about money. So I'd like to be a little bit broader than that, if you don't mind, Len, don't mind mm -hmm. if I uh, hijack your podcast and take over the questions and the answers. But I, I want to take your listeners back to a time when the lawyer was in the, you know, in the on Main Street, and a person went to them and said, what do I do? I have these problems. And back in the day, I think that many lawyers operated like they were counselors of law, not just advocates. So we, we, we veered off of that. We got to a place where somebody came to you. And if you agreed to take your case, you were agreeing to file the case. You were agreeing to try the case. You were agreeing to take it up on appeal and take it to the Supreme Court if necessary. Because gosh darn it, these are my clients and therefore I'm right. Whatever side you took. Um, but I think that our practice has evolved too as lawyers, not as mediators. And I think that it's time for lawyers to consider being counselors, not just advocates. And if we wear that hat, then we're looking to achieve what our clients are interested in. And I think very few on either the plaintiff or the defense side are interested in winning in court. They, I think when people come to a defense counsel and they say, we got sued by our former employee, they don't say, take us to court and win. We want to bury this person. We don't care how much it costs. They say, get us out of this. And I think that's the same for plaintiffs now, too. I think it really has evolved. There are very few cases that go to trial. And so why uh, pretend that that's all that you're focused on? So provide us with, uh, to provide our listeners with your perception of the difference, essentially what you've what you've described is the difference between mediation advocacy and trial advocacy. Um, we're that that's that's I think what you're what you're at the core of what you're talking about. Correct? Um, yes, but I'm I'm dialing it back even from advocacy to counseling, if you will. Um, that you know, one of the things that you want to know in advance is your client's objectives. 
And um, by the way, in an employment environment, it's not just your client that's a, a party to this um, that has interests because the lawyer in the fee shifting statute has the interest too. So they're partnering with you. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, it's not just single focus. And many times I have to have many mediations between client and lawyer about what's in everybody's best interest. Um, but yeah, you want to kind of give them the broader opportunities that mediation provides. Jen, we're going to cover that a little bit more after the break. Uh, I'm chatting with Jan Shaw. Uh, we're talking about uh, early mediation and employment disputes. I'm Len Levy, and this is on Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.NADN.org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and my guest is Jan Shaw. Uh, Jan, we, um, we were talking about, I use the, the term uh, uh, mediation advocacy, and you say, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is counseling. And could you expand on what that really entails? Because that's going to bring, I think that's what you're trying to achieve uh, in, in, in terms of, of allowing the client to make a decision based on reality in reality in, in terms of assessing cases, reality in terms of what the BATNA might be. We can get into that a little bit. Right. So um, I don't mean to challenge each question, but I, I think that there is a nuance to advocacy and there's a kind of um, uh, a gestalt about advocacy that is not really present or appropriate for mediation. Um, mediation, at least in the early stages, pre-litigation, and at least in employment, can be very useful. But I think the lawyer and the client need to know in advance their objectives. So one of the objectives could be you want to find out how much money the other side has. One of the objectives I saw just the other day that um, I had a, a plaintiff in a sex harassment case, her uh, supervisor called her a prostitute, not nicely. Um, and she um, brought it to the attention of the HR. And when the HR did the investigation, they found out a few things about this young woman. One was that 
In fact, she was um, having an affair with her supervisor's boyfriend. Um, and in another, she was gossiping about the supervisor all over town. And so both of them got terminated, um, but there was a whole history of write-ups her lawyer did not know about. Her, when she came to her lawyer, she didn't tell him that <laughs> she had all of this going on, but the employer had files and records of it. And they had one more thing that was very interesting to the employee's lawyer, and that was um, that she talked to every one of the witnesses on staff. This was in a nursing home. And if anyone has sued a nursing home or had a family member in a nursing home, you've got to know that they're, if you remember the old TV show, Paint in Place, they're just drama all over. These people work night shifts. They work with people that aren't very um, uh, reliable witnesses. And they're just dreadful in the way that they behave sometimes. So um, what she had done is go to all of her co-workers and say, would you tell this story if you're in, in, investigated? So she had tampered with the investigation. Well, once her lawyer learned of all this, his objectives changed in, in um, approaching this. It did settle, it settled for money, but much less than it would have uh, had these things not been known to him and much sooner, right? So what your objectives may be might be different from a litigated case that's close to trial where depositions have been taken and all the evidence. You may want to find out what evidence the other side has. You may want to find out um, what your own client, how your own client comes across. Maybe your own client um, yesterday's case was a fellow that had been, um, basically he was fired because he was lazy, um, but he also you know, didn't come into work and he was suffering from depression and he was, uh, you know, tardy all the time. And he was only working for about eight months for this company. And um, so there was a whole, you know, uh, setup, but sure enough to observe him in mediation, you could kind of tell that this was his personality trait. This is something that his lawyer couldn't have known and that he may have needed the input of a third party like me that's just spending a day with these folks to say, at first blush, here's how it looks. So you, you can use this process for much more than advocacy for money. You can assess your claim. You can assess the risks and rewards. You can assess the other side, how credible they are, what kind of records they have. You can find out, um, I have for reasons unknown to me, had a series of nursing home cases, but many of them, as you might imagine, are on a thin thread hanging on because of the um, financial um, uh, result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So. Um, you can find out if they have assets, if they have insurance, if there's, you know, any way that you can recover. You want to, if you have the ability to do so, you want to pick both your own clients and the companies you decide to sue carefully, right? Because especially in an employment case, most cases, the plaintiff is investing, plaintiff's lawyer is investing their own money in all the costs and their time is on a uh, is on a contingency fee. If they win, they win and they get their fees back, but they don't wanna lose because they're not getting paid. So they gotta pick things carefully. So this gives a, a little bit of a window. I'm not talking about the, port, the part where you're advocating to get the most damages. I'm just talking about the benefits of mm -hmm. 
finding out. And you mentioned BATNA, but I also wanted to talk about something else called ZOPA. I don't know if you've, if you've covered that on your, um, I know you have in your teaching work, but uh, maybe not on your podcast. So ZOPA describes what we call the zone of possible agreement. Back in the day, we used to call it, are you in the same ballpark? Um, kind of easy to discern, but not so easy before you come together in a mediation. Most, most employers will keep it pretty close to the vest, what they're going to be offering. Um, and plaintiffs naturally start in a, in a realm that's beyond what they could probably ever get even at trial. And most cases don't go to trial. So a mediator may spend the whole day and what everybody learns at the end is that there's only $50,000 between them as opposed to what may start out as $750,000. Right. So part of what we're doing, there, there are stages and phases to this, right? But I don't want to necessarily talk about the end point. I will if you ask me, but um, I want to talk about the, all of the benefits that we can get in the interim stages. Mm -hmm. And one of them is kind of showcasing your story and seeing how it resonates. Um, sometimes these are very complicated fact patterns. And um, there's something that we talk about in the employment arena about the burden of proof. And that initially the plaintiff has to show a prima facie case, let's say of discrimination. Um, but then it flips back to the defendant to show that they had good cause, for example. Right. And then it flips back to the plaintiff to show that that good cause is pretext. And right. that actually they were really motivated by an intention to harm because of the person's race in my hypothetical. Yeah. So these are nuanced. And when you have somebody that's been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years, as I have, yeah. you have an ally that can help you to, to say, yeah, I get it. You might be able to overcome a motion for summary judgment, but you're still going to have to go to trial on these facts. Right. And what, what are the things that, that, uh, uh, people coming into a mediation may not appreciate is the level of risk th that, th that they have uh, on both sides. Uh, there's, uh, there's a risk. And, and, and being a counselor um, it involves having your client be aware of the risk of going forward. I also want to just um, highlight that as lawyers, we, we wear two hats, right? We want to be our client's cheerleader. That's what we're hired to do. We're hired to be their zealous advocate, as you say. Uh, we never want to tell them bad news, which is, oh, man, you really screwed up on this one. You should never have fired this person. Or, oh, man, we got some trouble in this case. I don't think we should go to trial. You need somebody else to do that. Otherwise, you're going to lose credibility with your own client. Right. Uh, this this happened. This happened yesterday. Uh, and and uh, the the matter resolved, I will tell you, in large part because the attorney uh, took on the role of counselor um, and uh, we were able to go through uh, the idea of, well, you have to prove if you have to prove four things and you have a 50 percent chance of proving 
each of those four things, and by the way, he did not, um, then your chances become uh, um, minuscule. So um, that 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 helps because you're you're able to get that kind of uh, that kind of evaluation uh, in in a in a setting that's uh, that's not threatening. So uh, we're going to be back in in a few minutes. Uh, I'm chatting with Jan Shaw on Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Lynn Levy, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and my guest is Jan Shaw. We're talking about things employment in the early mediation of employment disputes. Um, Jim, we've covered an awful lot today. And and, uh, there are, however, some special issues that attorneys really should be aware of when they're going to be uh, going into mediation of an employment dispute. Uh, Can you provide us some examples of that? So let me just, um, again, broaden your question, because um, I do serve primarily as a mediator, though occasionally I get an arbitration case. But the Masters of Dispute Resolution covers um, a broad range uh, from early neutral evaluations to mediation to arbitration. And um, a lot of what we do is in tandem with or alongside an arbitration. So there are a couple couple of things that have come out just this year, 2022, that I think every practitioner in this area ought to be aware of. Um, One is an amendment to government code section 12964.5, which says that you may not keep um, a complaint of of, um, harassment or um, specifically sexual harassment, but even any kind of discrimination confidential. Um, And if you do, that the settlement of those cases may be voidable. So how do you get around that? Because very often nobody wants to reveal the allegations of sexual harassment or of, um, I mean, this is the, the broader name for this is silenced no more. So there is some public policy, some, um, uh, groundswell of, need to be able to expose these settlements, but not in every case. Many cases, the um, employee doesn't want this to be known widely to future employees or to their, even their, their family and friends, um, employers um, or their coworkers. And certainly most times the employer doesn't want this to be known. 
So how do you get around it? Well, I mean, far be it from me to, to skirt the issue and, and do something that's not in the best interest of public policy. But one of the ways is if it hasn't been filed yet, it isn't a claim. So it doesn't get barred by the government code. So if you've got one of those where you think that the employer is incentivized by not having to make this public and known and wants to keep it confidential, and if you've got one of those where the employee has no interest in revealing it to others, you can protect it by settling the case before the case is a case. Now, th this is very new, so we're not quite clear, but my interpretation so far is that that means not, not filing a government code with the um, Department of Fair Employment and Housing or the EOC. So it's you know a little bit before. And this is also California law, not federal law. So mm -hmm. query whether the EOC filing would, um, would make that uh, cut. But it's an interesting uh, utility for litigators in this field right. that can be motivating to get a better settlement if you can keep it confidential. And the mm -hmm. only way you can do that is do it early. And, um, and, and by, by filing a claim, you may mean filing a claim with FIHA or, or the EEOC um, and, and um, a fi filing of a, of a lawsuit uh, certainly puts it out there as well. Sure, sure. Yes, either one of those. The only thing I want to um, push back on a little bit is I'm not sure about the federal law, so I don't know if it's EEOC. It definitely is California. Okay. Um, so, so that's very new, and I want your listeners to be aware of it. And the other thing that's very new and just came up in a case, but I researched it in live time, um, was that cases in arising out of sexual harassment or or um, sexual discrimination uh, can no longer be subject to forced into arbitration. And so that's a very interesting development because. Many times a case, there's a pre-employment agreement that says if there's any claims against the employer, um, you agree to submit it to binding arbitration. The arbitration and the arbitration costs are all paid for by the employer. Um, it's faster and it's done by a judge, not or a, you know an arbitrator, but not a jury. Um, so the results sometimes are different. Uh, but now, if you've got um, a mixed motive, for example, age discrimination or disability and sexual harassment, then does everything go to the arbitrator and the sexual harassment piece get stayed? Or does everything get left in superior court? It's kind of going to be a mess. But it's something interesting because when cases are coming to mediation and they're saying to their mediator, listen, we're not gonna get a runaway jury on this because it's going to an arbitration. And you know, I think the arbitrator will see through these arguments and won't give more than $100,000, whereas a jury might give 2 million because they might be outraged by it. Right. Um, those cases aren't going to an arbitrator anymore. And not everybody knows that because it really did just come out, I think maybe in March of 2022. Oh, okay. I'm going to kind of circle back on something. Um, one of the things that that we can do in mediation that can't be done, whether it's in arbitration or whether it's in, in, in court, um, is we can be creative in terms of solutions. 
Uh, and what I'd like you to, to comment on and, uh, is uh, essentially how we are able to do that. I, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, we have an employer who is not uh, particularly keen on paying an employee. But uh, because the employee has uh, done something personally uh, to the employer. So there's this this below the line issue. Um, one mediation came up with a solution of, well, don't pay the employee, pay his kids, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. But can you comment on on how the early uh, early mediation can enhance the ability of the parties to come up with uh, solutions? It's not necessarily limited to an early mediation, but um, there are lots of creative things, right? These, it's a little bit like a divorce. These people have been working together for a number of years, and then there's a rift. And so um, in the context of the mediation, we often kind of search for, dig for what happened because they weren't discriminatory, you know, for the first five years. What happened in that? Why were you really terminated? But um, very often there are very just a few discrete pieces that they want to include but don't always remember to. Um, one is the tax treatment, um, whether it's all subject to withholdings and payroll tax. Um, and two is sanitizing the records so that it doesn't appear that they've been terminated. Um, it appears instead that they've been that they voluntarily resigned um, or limiting the um, uh, refer references to the dates of, of employment. So there are ways that we can harness it. Unfortunately, in a lot of instances, the lawyers forget about those because it's late in the day and they're so delighted by the money. So that's where the mediator has to be both creative and awake. Right. Well, look, there, there is something that came up uh, in, in a mediation uh, having to do with sometimes you get those creative solutions and the lawyer is going, well, wait a minute, uh, that, that's going to impact on how I get, how I get paid. Um, that, that can be a problem, can it? So um, oftentimes one of the requests is reinstatement. And of course, reinstatement usually gets a huge discount, but it's almost always a straw man. It's almost always a bluff. And that's exactly where the lawyer doesn't want them to be reinstated because that takes away from the damages of the case. Right. But right. Uh, listen, again, I fold back to what I said at the beginning. You are both counselor and advocate. And if that's what your client wants, then you'll make your money in the next one. Right. So I, I'm all for... Um, advocating on behalf of the client to achieve their objectives, not just yours. Right. Well, Jan, we are unfortunately out of time. And uh, this has gone very, very fast. And uh, your, the, the amount of information that you have imparted to our listeners is just incredible. Uh, I'm sure people are going to want to listen to this more than once. Um, and uh, as we wrap up, uh, how can listeners best contact you? Oh, I'm easy to find if you Google me, but my, my surname is hard to spell, so I will do that for you. It's um, S-C-H-A-U, and um, easiest is to send me an email at J-F as in Frankel, S-C-H-A-U, J-F Shaw 
at ADRservices.com, just like Lynn. <laughs> right. And one right. of your sponsors. Right, right. Um, well, Jan, I, again, thank you for this conversation. And I hope we can have you back as a guest uh, sometime in the future, uh, if you're so inclined. Well, the next one will move to how to handle the mediation once you get there, because we really <laughs> only talked about the benefits of going to a mediation. Right. right. Thank we you do. for having me, Len. I appreciate your invitation. You're quite welcome. Thank you for coming on. Um, I want to thank uh, Daryl Wayne. Uh, I also uh, want to thank uh, uh, John Van Camp uh, for uh, engineering this uh, this podcast today. And um, I'm Lynn Levy. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips.io, powered by Infigen Labs Inc. Until we meet again, uh, stay well, keep listening, and remember. Peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.